if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Natural Super Kids podcast. Jessica Donovan here. And today I'm excited to be sharing part two of the conversation that I had with the amazing Dr. Alyssa Song, who is a Stanford trained integrative pediatrician, pediatric functional medicine expert and mum of two. I love this conversation. If you missed last week's episode, definitely go back and listen to that first. This is the continued conversation with Dr. Alyssa, um, continuing on from last week's episode. And today we are diving into more information about kids' mental health, um, the root, a a root sort of cause functional medicine approach to kids' mental health, um, and the all-important gut microbiome. So in last week's episode, we talked about some of the pretty scary stats when it comes to our kids' mental health. We talked about why the conventional treatment for anxiety and depression in our kids and the medications that are used aren't necessarily working. We talked about the root cause functional medicine approach to child and teen anxiety. And we talked a lot about some of the 
things that can disrupt the gut microbiome negatively. Uh, We focused a lot on medications. Um, And today we're continuing the conversation and talking about some of the other categories that can affect the gut microbiome, our kids' diet, you know, their lifestyle. We're also talking about the all-important vagus nerve and um, how we can improve Uh, vagus nerve function in children and what that's got to do with our kids' mental health. And then Alyssa also shares some of her favorite holistic pediatric treatments and supplements to consider for kids and teens with anxiety. So let's dive in. So, so we've got medications. I think you said, you know, you like to sort of class the, those microbiome disruptors into three categories. So number one was medications. And I mean, we could sit here talking about that for another two hours. I know. Yeah. So the on. number one is medications, but that's often out of our control or it's something that has happened in the past. So then we're going to be working, you know, with a practitioner to, to restore your child's gut microbiome. But the, the second is really looking at food. I mean, food really is medicine and most of our kids, and this is, you know, us, uh, when I when I came to Australia and I've I've had the the honor of coming to Australia multiple times. We've been twice with our children and and once before kids. And I had this um, in my mind that Australians were so much healthier, but I was assured that that it's not necessarily the case. <laughs> that this we're right, sad, we're right behind you in the US. That's right, right. This the sad <laughs> diet, the standard American diet could also be called the standard Australian diet. Yes. With these ultra processed foods. And ultra processed foods are foods that are are so processed that there are many, many ingredients that are really are chemically made, even if they originally derived from natural ingredients. And are meant to be sweeter, saltier, you know, fattier, um, more addictive, and last longer on the shelves. I mean, that is really and truly, mm. you know, why ultra processed foods were created. And so maybe the original intent was, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I really, I, I don't want to say that that, you know, all you know, food companies are unethical because there are certainly more, more better for you food companies that they are really trying. Um, but the, but most of the processed packaged food industry, I mean, they have these terms like mouth feel. How do we get this food to feel? Um, you know, really good in the mouth so that kids and, and, and adults want more and more and more of it. I mean, it's this, it's this industry lingo that is clearly designed to make foods more addictive. Now, when we look at that, at the effect on the ultra, um, microbiome, well, we know that your microbiome needs fiber and needs phytonutrients. The more processed a food, the less fiber and fiber really are, are make up the prebiotics, the food for our probiotics. So the more processed, the less fiber there's going to be, the less phytonutrients there are, that there are going to be. I mean, you take a, a simple example of um, an apple, you know, an apple with the peel on may have about maybe three and a half, anywhere from three and a half to five grams of fiber, depending on, you know, how big the apple is. But once you peel it, mash it, puree it, you know, sterilize it and make it into apple juice, well, guess how many grams of fiber are in there? 
there's zero grams, zero grams, right? So, and we know that many, many of these food additives um, are directly, directly cause gut inflammation. They cause gut dysbiosis. So an abnormal growth of um, either too little of the good bacteria probiotics or too many abnormal, you know, pathologic microorganisms. And they also directly harm the the intestinal lining and can trigger something called leaky gut, which underlies many chronic health concerns. And so some of the um, worst offenders in terms of these food additives are what are called emulsifiers. So these emulsifiers are chemicals that keep our food together, like a granola bar or ice cream, so that when you open it up, it's not just this goopy, gooey mess in the package. Well, these emulsifiers in, in some countries that have tracked this the rise in the use of, emuls- of emulsifiers correlates with the rise, the rapid rise of, of the rates of autoimmunity in certain populations. And emulsifiers directly uh, cause leaky gut, cause gut inflammation. And you're not going to see the word emulsifier on the package, though. This is where you have to be a savvy label reader. And so I teach patients, parents, how to read food labels so that they can choose healthier options. Um, This is really important for my kids because now... As um, you know, as a fourteen and twelve year old, they are going to lunch with their friends on their own. They're going to the market on their own, and so I'm. I want them to learn how to read labels so that they can choose a bag of potato chips and enjoy it with their friends, but not have it be the one with the artificial dyes and the flavors and the preservatives that that unfortunately some of their friends are still eating. So you will see words like mono and diglycerides or carrageenan or carboxymethylcellulose, CMC. Um, so those are some of the, the top ones that you'll see. And so if you see those, you want to just, you know, move the other way, choose a different package. Um, sweeteners. So added sugar, we know that there's way too much added sugar in, in our processed foods. And, you know, um, sugar, so having too much quote, too much sugar has been correlated with all sorts of mood and cognitive concerns, even cognitive decline, as now we, you know, have aging parents uh, for many of us in this, you know, what's called the sandwich generation where we have our kids, but we're also dealing with aging parents who are, are not necessarily aging well, right? And so, you know, added sugar um, you know, the, the American Heart Association recommends no more than 25 grams of added sugar um, in one day, 25 grams, which is the equivalent of about mm, a little less than six teaspoons. Well, most kids nowadays are eating 19, 30 grams of added sugar a day. So way more than than what they should be doing. Um, and so, you know, we, we want to help our kids look at the labels because now, at least in the United States, the FDA has required food companies to list how many grams of added sugar in a package. And so if my kids, you know, if they want to go and get the bubble tea, those tapioca boba teas mm-hmm. that are really popular, and I have them look at, at the nutrition facts in the store. And, you know, sometimes they'll choose one that has 35 grams of added sugar. So I let them know, you know what? 
you can have that, right? Because I want, I do want them to be yes. able to navigate the real world. Of and I course. don't want them to have this unhealthy obsession with sugary or, you know, these packaged foods. But they know that 35 grams is, is over really what they should have in a day. So then we make that conscious decision to enjoy that. But then we cushion that with on the, you know, the day surrounding, the day before, the day after. All right. We're going to have less added sugar those days, and we're going to really focus on having, you know, a really um, good amount of vegetables and fruits and fiber to to balance, to have our gut microbiome be able to bounce back from that, you know, added sugar hit, right? And making them aware. So like you said, especially when when you've got teenagers, you know, you become very aware that you're not going to be there. I mean, we had this conversation about phones. You know, I've got phone limits on my kids' phones, so they just like switch off when they yeah, use yeah, their limit. Yeah. They hate it. They're like, we're the only ones with it. And I was talking to my son who's almost 16 and, um, you know, I'm like, I know you're actually going to have to manage this yourself soon. So maybe we need to turn the, t- turn the limits off, but then just really keep Keep an eye on, you know, on your usage for the day. And if it starts going overboard, then I'm going to have to turn turn them back on. So it's the same yes. with food. It's like, the same thing. They become independent. They need to start managing it themselves. So we need to empower them to make, you know, those those healthy decisions without, like you said, getting obsessed or, um, you know, with it all. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just like, you know, just like when our kids are learning to cross the street, we're not just going to say, oh, go cross the go street now. and figure it out. Yeah. Right. So it's the same thing with our kids' phones. It's the same thing with when they go out and start buying food on their own. I mean, we need to support them and and anticipate the the stumbling blocks that they're going to experience and and educate them on. Well, this is this is how we do it. This is one of the safer, the healthier ways to do it. And then you know, the first few times, go to the grocery store with them. Maybe not with their friends because they may not want you there, <laughs> but go and, you know, and I've done this with my son because he wants one of those canned drinks, you know, mm. that, that his friends are drinking. So we, we went to the store and I said, look, you go up and down this refrigerated section and pick out a few and mm. we're going to look at the labels. So, you know, like what, what mom is looking for, like what, what mom would be happy about. And you can, you know, make those choices on your own later. So we just kind of walk them through it. And, you know, even with the cell phone, when they have that free reign at first, yeah, I would check and see, well, let's see what your cell phone use was today and how much time you spent. And let's look at how, what time did you fall asleep? You know, mm-hmm. how late were you on your phone and how do you feel the next day? I mean, we just have to grade it, right? Um, so, and it's the same, it's the same thing with food. Now, you know, when we talk about sweeteners, you know, we think about sugar being ad- addictive, right? And And some people have seen the brain scans where sugar lights up um, the same, you know, dopamine reward centers as cocaine. But what I tell parents and kids is that those artificial sweeteners are not any different. Um, in fact, there was one study that gave a saccharin, an artificial sweetener, to rats who were already addicted to cocaine. And those rats chose the saccharin wow. over the cocaine. I mean, it's alarming. And there's no studies that have proven that the use of these artificial zero sugar sweeteners has made any impact on our weight or our, our, you know, propensity to obesity or diabetes, diabetes or metabolic yeah. syndrome, right? That's and in right. fact, you know, some say it's quite the opposite. So, you know, just being mindful of that. 
Um, the other, I'd say the other um, area in our foods that we can uh, do, I, I think that Australia does do a better job of this, this part, you know, is really having more availability to organic foods because glyphosate, which is, um, you know, is patented as an herbicide um, that's, that's um, Roundup, um, is, um, was initially patented by Monsanto as an antibiotic. And so many people are not aware that when they're when they're eating a food that's not organic and heavily sprayed with with Roundup or, or um, glyphosate, that glyphosate actually has, in some studies, has been shown to preferentially kill our probiotics and preserve the abnormal bacteria mm. in our gut. So we get this double whammy. And so, you know, understanding that and, and really choosing organic when we can, and especially looking at in the States, you know, the Environmental Working Group has a list every year they come out with called the Dirty Dozen, which are the top 12 most heavily sprayed foods that year. Kale is always up there. You know, strawberries are always on the list. So I always buy organic kale and strawberries. <laughs> now, you know, avocados and bananas are lower on the list. So I'm not as fussy about mm. choosing those organic. So um, it's just, you know, really when we can make those choices, we, we try to. Yeah. Um, and another vote for growing your own. Like, I mean, kale oh, yeah. is so easy to grow, right? So you can, you know, you can look at that list and, and like you said, prioritize what to buy organic or what to grow yourself. Well, and you know, I, I love that. And, and I'm, you know, I, I um, very sadly did not inherit my mother's green thumb. <laughs> um, but when you when you grow your own food, so the other thing too is when you use these herbicides and pesticides like Roundup. Remember, Roundup is also an antibiotic. Um, it's not just an antibiotic; it's also an antifungal. So. Um, when you treat your soil with Roundup, it gets into the soil and your soil has its own microbiome. And so you're destroying all of all of those beneficial bacteria and fungi that actually provide the nutrients for that soil to then get taken up into that plant's roots. So not only, you know, are foods that have been sprayed, um, you know, more laden with these microbiome, you know, disruptors, the, the glyphosate directly, but also less nutrient dense because then that soil becomes even more depleted of nutrients that are vital for the growth of that plant. So when you are growing your own food, you have all the control over how nourished you can that soil is, right? You know, without without the without the pesticides and, and the herbicides. And so so I love that. I think, you know, even, you know, even having um a, a box planter in your windowsill, you know, you can grow herbs that way and you can grow, you know, little little tomato plants and yes, even <laughs> I mean, if it's just a, the leafy greens and the as we say in Australia, herbs. I know you guys say herbs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we do say herbs. <laughs> but even if like I'm I'm not a big gardener either. I wish I was. Maybe maybe I'll get get to that when I get a bit older. <laughs> but the leafy greens and the herbs, I think so easy to grow and you've got that constant supply, you know, in a small area of of your backyard like you said on your on your windowsill. Yeah, I love um, that. Yeah. So, so, so that's so, the foods, right? We yes. talked about the foods. Um, I will say the foods that we want to focus on getting in. And I talk about the foods to get out, to swap first, because for some families, if kids are very, very um, 
quote, picky. And parents are like, there's no way I'm going to get them to eat a salad right now. Um, so we always say not yet because we, we want to have that growth mindset that it's going to happen at some point. But sometimes just being able to look at the package and choose healthier swaps, you know, picking a different jar of spaghetti sauce that doesn't have added sugar or picking a different bag of chips as a snack that it, you know doesn't have you know all of the artificial dyes just making those swaps are going to help your child's gut microbiome but then in terms of what we really want to focus on getting in that same you know we we uh it is recognized worldwide that that um most most people across the world have a fiber gap. And that's certainly, you know, in the United States and I'm sure in Australia, you know, the recommendations are on average. I mean, children should be getting maybe 25 plus grams of fiber a day. Um, and, you know, old, n- less than 95% of kids don't meet their daily adequate fiber fiber goals, right? And 25 grams, I mean, you think, well, Okay, that may sound like a lot, maybe not. Um, you know, a cup of raspberries can have upwards of nine grams mm. of fiber, right? So, um, and and a cup of lentils has sixteen grams of fiber. So, and then we compare, you know, our fiber intake to you know the Hadza in Tanzania, which are really one of, one of the last true hunter gatherer societies in the world that has the, the documented some of the richest gut microbial diversity and function in the world. They eat upwards of one hundred to 150 grams of fiber a day. So wow. we could do 25 if we, we put our mind to it. We could do 25. That's yeah. too hard. <laughs> and then even those, and and color. I mean, we think of color, you know, as really, um, you know, oh, eat a rainbow fruits and vegetables. But, you know, those phytonutrients that each provide a different color, um, really, the, those phytonutrients act as prebiotics. Those phytonutrients are used by our, our gut microbiome to shift our epigenetics. I mean, so many different benefits. And so, and and most kids in the United States and adults, I mean, something like 70 to 90% have a phytonutrient gap in every single color every single color. Um, You know, some of the latest statistics for children and teenagers with their produce intake um, show that on any given day, one in two kids doesn't eat any vegetables, not a single one. And one in three children don't eat any fruit. And we know that a higher eating more fruits and vegetables is associated with higher mental health scores in kids. So even just getting one more in, you know, makes a, a big difference, right? Um, and and those fermented foods, when you can, you know, there was a study looking at fermented foods and young women with social anxiety and fermented foods, eating those fermented foods significantly reduce their social anxieties. And the authors note that eating fermented foods could be a really low cost way to help are young adults with social anxieties. So, you know, if your kids aren't into fermented foods just yet, then we just want to keep trying. There's so, so many fermented foods that we can get in. Yeah, so so many varieties that you can, you know, purchase and make yourself. Like, yeah, you do, you do definitely have to keep trying. Wow, that's really interesting about the social anxiety. Um, yeah, so food is the huge food when is, it comes is to huge. the microbiome. Um, and then also when it comes to the microbiome, 
our lifestyle factors. So when you think, when you go back and, you know, as you're listening to this episode and you think, oh, okay, food, and then the lifestyle things I'm going to talk about, well, that's kind of simplistic, isn't it? Well, guess what? I mean, the changes we can make, they are simple changes Mm -hmm. that will have a profound impact. And yet simple isn't always easy. Right. But and and simple is not necessarily the quick fix, but these are simple things. And these are things that we can do. I mean, yes, we have to buy the food, but all the lifestyle factors, they're free. And you know, anyone can do them. So I mean, the just, you know, the the some of the things that that kids are doing anyway, right? They're moving their bodies. So I mean, through the pandemic, our kids stopped moving enough, but exercise has been found to improve the gut microbiome independent of diet. So even if your kids aren't the healthiest eaters just yet, get them moving more in the way that they like to. And exercise, especially exercise in nature and even dancing, in some studies have been found to be more effective than antidepressant medications. So um, we need to move and make it a family affair because we all could use a little more movement. Um, When we think about hydration, water drinkers have been found to eat more fruits and vegetables. I mean, go figure, right? So prioritize getting enough water in. Water drinkers, adequate water drinkers, and, you know, probably somewhere up to like 70% of kids and adults don't drink enough water. I might say it's probably more than that. (laughs) Um, But, um, but, you know, water drink, better water drinkers have also been found to have different better gut microbiomes. And so focusing on hydration is really important. Sleep, I mean, we have an epidemic of, of sleep deprivation. I mean, most kids and adults are not getting enough sleep. And gut gut dysbiosis, so this abnormal, um, you know, ratio of beneficial bacteria, you know, uh, um, uh, and not such good bacteria and other organisms. So that gut dysbiosis can occur within 48 hours of not enough sleep. Your kid's finals week where they're studying, you know, pulling all-nighters because they're stressed and, and studying or jet lag, you know, where you're just, you know, not able to sleep well. So within two days, your gut microbiome changes if you're not sleeping enough. It can recover, but it can take up to one to two weeks of good sleep to recover. So it takes a lot longer to recover. And for teenagers, what I tell teenagers, well, you know, if you have inconsistent sleep and not enough sleep, and some sleep experts will say that say the teenagers really need about nine to nine and a half hours of sleep optimally, right? Which most don't get, especially not during school days. But lack of sleep in teenagers has been found to shrink certain parts of the brain that are responsible for decision making and for and for you know cognitive performance. So getting enough sleep is is really important for your brain. Mm, <laughs> so, yeah, so true. There's and, that. And I will then will say probably the most important lifestyle factor is really learning how to improve our vagus nerve function. And improving our vagus nerve function is really through, you know, mindfulness techniques, meditation, there's diaphragmatic, you know, belly breathing, there's practicing gratitude, um, chanting, you know, humming, uh, laughter yoga was found to improve heart rate variability and vagus nerve functioning. And a, a positive mood and optimal vagus nerve function which we can measure through heart rate variability, was found to improve gut microbiome diversity. And this, like exercise, is independent of diet. 
So if you can, as a family, have a gratitude practice at dinner, at bedtime, listen to a breathing meditation to help put yourself into that, that, you know, uh, that, that, um, coherent state and engaging your vagus nerve, all of that is going to help support a healthier gut microbiome, which then will support healthier neurotransmitter production and a healthier gut brain connection, healthier gut immune system connection. So it's going to have those ripple effects for all of your children's, you know, organ systems essentially. So and psychological stress, when it is unmanaged, when it is, you know, overwhelming, that is when we say that antibiotics are our single biggest acute disruptor of the gut microbiome, psychological distress is our single biggest chronic disruptor. And psychological stress has been found to disrupt the intestinal lining and trigger zonulin release, that's leaky gut, within an hour. And so we want to look at, and this is where for our teenagers and our children, um, for many of us, and we pass this down to our children now, stress has become a bad word. It's become this new, you know, the new four-letter word, right? But what I tell parents and our children, and I and really have them think about, is the fact that stress is simply your body's physical response to a change, to something about to happen. It's your body's way of getting ready for something different. It's not good or bad. It's simply that heart rate beating faster, pupils dilating, your blood pressure might get elevated. But that feeling of stress is often accompanied by emotional, the physical feeling is often accompanied by emotional feelings of distress. Now, every time we overcome a stressor successfully, our brain learns how to do it even better the next time. And we need that. We need to overcome emotional stress in order to become more resilient to the next stressor because there's always a next one. And so I show teens and kids something called a stress performance curve, right? And it's this bell-shaped curve where on the bottom left, so on the, on the, um, on the vertical axis, right, um, is, um, is uh, your levels of your performance, okay, your performance levels. On the horizontal axis are your levels of stress. So it's this bell-shaped curve. So on the way bottom left, where there's almost no stress, think about it, life is so easy, no demands, no pressures, right? Nothing to worry about. Your performance is also way at the bottom, right? Think about the last time you had no deadlines. Did you actually get anything done, right? <laughs> and then as the stress gets a little bit higher, a little bit higher, your performance starts to improve and you start reaching this level of peak performance. And we've all been there. We're in the zone, right? That, that stress before a competition or that stress before a deadline is, uh, you know, a paper is due or your exam, but that gets you going right? It makes your brain click in and we become more productive and we become focused and in the zone, right? And so that's kind of where we want to stay. And then once we get too much stress, now we have 50 assignments that are due at the same time and we have all of these other obligations and there's friend drama and maybe some discord at home. And then all of a sudden that stress becomes too high and our performance curve goes down and then we become stressed and burnt out, right? So Stress actually helps us perform if it is manageable. And, and making stress manageable means that we need to learn how to engage our vagus nerve. So when we're feeling that, that 
anxious feeling, heart rate going, and our mind is racing a mile a minute, we can slow down, stop in the moment, breathe, engage our vagus nerve, and become calm and focused again so that we can you know, move on with, with whatever is stressing us out. Yeah, I love that. It's like it's it's managing the stress really, isn't it? And those simple mm-hmm. vagus nerve techniques, like you said, mindfulness, just focusing on what is right now, um, you know, simple breathing techniques. These are all things we can empower our kids and our teens with and are great for, like you said, it links back to the microbiome, but it also is so important in in kids' mental health and and mood and um resilience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. So lastly, I do want to touch on on supplements um, and holistic pediatric treatments to consider for kids and teens um, that might be struggling with their mental health. Yes. So, you know, shifting your gut microbiome, it is for the long haul. And so yes. sometimes we don't necessarily see improvements right away, but we will in the long run see improvements and we'll see um, sustained benefits. So we definitely want to work on the gut microbiome. And when we're giving probiotics, there are a category of probiotics called psychobiotics that are known to enhance optimal dopamine and serotonin levels. Um, and so there are different specific strains. And I don't know if you have the same, you know, uh, the same manufacturers in Australia, but you want to look at, there are some strains. There's one called uh, Lactobacillus Helveticus Roselle 52. <laughs> And then there's one called Bifidobacterium longum Roselle 175. So these strains I'm sure you have available in Australia, but I just don't know which manufacturers, right? Um, And there's also Lactobacillus LPC-17. There's another one, a strain called PS-128. So the reason I'm saying these is because not all probiotics have the same benefit. There are some probiotics, the specific strain matters, and there are some specific strains of probiotics that I would recommend during the wintertime because it can help reduce fevers and rates of of, um, flus, reduce the need for antibiotics, even reduce missed days of school. There are certain probiotics that strains that can specifically help support um, skin with acne or eczema. Same thing with the brain. There are specific probiotic strains that help support the brain. So if you really want to support your child's um, gut brain access, then you'll look for those specific strains um, within the context of if they've been on antibiotics or other medications that disrupt the gut microbiome, you also want to take a, a broad probiotic that has many strains to support restoring their gut microbiome. But apart from that, you know, what are some specific supplements that have been found to really help support mood, help support the brain? Well, omega-3 fatty acids. I mean, fish oils definitely way, way, way up there. And most children don't get enough fatty fish in their diets or, or omega-3 sources, um, you know, even even vegetarian omega-3 sources. Now, you know, ma- vegetarian omega-3 sources are just not as efficient because um, your body has to convert the ALA in flax seeds or, you know, nuts and seeds into the EPA and the DHA omega-3s that are directly found in fish oils. So um, unless you have restrictions on eating fish, I would recommend if your child is dealing with anxiety to really, you know, get get the benefits from your omega-3 fatty acids. Um, Vitamin D is way up there. You know, most children and teenagers and adults are deficient or insufficient in vitamin D. And vitamin D is so important for brain health, for mood, for cognitive um, health, uh, for immune health too, for that matter. And so making sure your kids are getting vitamin D supplementation, 
Magnesium is very, very calming and, mo- and, and one of the most uh, common nutrient deficiencies in children. So um, taking an extra magnesium supplement, there are many forms of magnesium. The most calming form is, is typically magnesium glycinate. So choosing a magnesium glycinate for your child. And another easy tip to, to increase magnesium levels is to take an Epsom salt bath because Epsom salts are magnesium sulfate and everything we put on our skin gets absorbed through our skin. So when you're sitting in these Epsom salt baths and you're in in a warm bath and your pores are wide open on your skin, then you're going to really absorb all of that great magnesium as well. Um, and, and one of my favorite supplements for kids with um, who are experiencing anxiety is theanine. So L-theanine. It's an amino acid found in green tea and matcha tea. Kids can also drink decaffeinated green tea, just put it in their water bottles. They can drink it at cool, mix it with a little bit of fruit juice and have it as an iced tea. But that's a great source of theanine throughout the day. Or you can take a theanine supplement. It's very safe, you know, in childhood and, and adolescence. So those are some of the supplements I might do. I also teach kids teenagers and parents how to use different acupressure points um, and also apply essential oils to those acupressure points for even more added benefits. So there's a point that you can look up as you're listening. You can look up a point called Heart 7, which is Shen Men. It's it's a spirit gate. It helps to ease you know, anxiety. It can help with sleep. And it's on your inner wrist, on your wrist crease, on the pinky side. So you'll feel these tendons there and a little groove there. And that's a point that your kids, if they're feeling anxious at their desk because they have to give a presentation soon, they can just sit and, you know, nobody has to know what they're doing. They just, you know, rub that point in little small circles or put firm pressure on that point. And if, and if they have some lavender essential oil, they can roll that or put a dab mm-hmm. right on there and just massage it into heart seven. So that's one of the that. things that kids can, even if they're having trouble sleeping, this is a great point to help support sleep. They can just sit do some breathing, hold on to heart seven. They can apply lavender and just slowly inhale that in. And that also, you know, will help in, in you know, for a restorative sleep as well. So mm-hmm. there's lots of helps. things we can do. It helps like give them something to do, especially if they're, you know, very anxious, you know, just to, to that, that grounding of, you know, touching and, and massaging. I'm actually Absolutely. quite tender there when I'm um, pushing that. So I think that needs a little bit of work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. So that's a great point because the points that, that often need more love and stimulation, um, you know, can be more tender, just like when kids have a fever and I am, you know, showing parents to massage large intestine four, which is on the hand, uh, it can be tender when kids have a fever because it needs to be worked on that, that, that acupuncture point needs to be opened up and the blockage needs to be removed. And so heart seven, if you've had a lot of work do, or you're just running around, you know, driving your kids from this place to that place. Mm. And, um, so it may be that, yeah, you just need to unwind a little bit. It's funny as you say that, cause mine's just a little bit tender too. I'm like, all right, it's, it's been a long day. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's been a very busy couple of weeks for me, like work-wise, and then I've been getting my house ready to go on the yes. market, and it's like yeah. I, I can I can definitely um, understand why I'm tender there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for, I I just love chatting to you. I've learned so much. I'm sure our listeners have learned so much as well. We'll have to get you back on. I know you've got a book coming out in May 2024. 
May 20, May 14, 2024 is when it'll be published in, in the United States. And I've been assured that it will be available in Australia pretty quickly after. So <laughs> amazing. So we'll get you, we'll get you back on, um, to, to chat about that, um, in 2024, but for now, can you just finish up by letting our listeners know where they can find out more about you, um, online? Yeah. So the best place to find me is, um, uh, my website is healthykidshappykids.com and that's my, my blog site. And, um, uh, you know, I send out a newsletter periodically. I only, you know, I, I really, um, uh, am very conscientious about respecting all of our busy, busy schedules. So, because I know as a busy mom myself, um, I just, I, I don't like getting tons and tons of emails with just a lot of fluff. So yes. I'll never send you fluff. <laughs> I'll just, I'll send you stuff that as a mom, I would think, oh, there's value in taking my precious time out to read this, right? Yes. Um, and same thing on Instagram. You can find me. That's where I'm most active on social media. And that is healthy kids underscore happy kids. Beautiful. I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes. And I'm on your email list and I can vouch for like very valuable emails. <laughs> Thank you for that. It's been so lovely to chat. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, you're welcome. And you know, I also want to offer, I, I just thought of this. So, um, yeah. and, and we can, um, do this if you'd like, but I actually have, um, a shopping guide, like a little, um, infographic on, food as medicine for kids' mental health. So I go through all of the top foods that really are important for children's um, mental health uh, and, and uh, the t- well, the top nutrients on one side and then all the foods that are, are have a high quantity of that nutrient. So, and I've done this for immune strengthening too. And so parents love it because they'll print it out, put it in the fridge, and then kids can choose which foods they want to put on their grocery list for that day. So I made one specifically for mental health because I think it's also important for kids to learn which are the foods right now when I'm in this anxious state are the ones that I really want to try to prioritize getting in. I love that. So we will grab the link and make sure that's in the show notes for everyone to um, find that really easily. That sounds like an amazing resource for everyone. Thanks so much. I hope you have a good rest of your day. Oh, thank you. You too. I'm, I'm really excited to be on with you today. Thanks so much. Bye, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week. Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kid's Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.